Hello, Monetization Nation. Customers are increasingly wary of companies and brands that they aren't sure they can trust. According to Edelman, 67% of people surveyed agreed that a good reputation may get them to try a product, but unless they come to trust the company behind the product, they will soon stop buying it. Carla Miney is an entrepreneur with an amazing track record. Her company was one of the top 100 fastest growing companies in Utah for five years. She ran one of the top Utah women-owned businesses for nine years and won Utah's Ernst & Young Entrepreneur of the Year Award. In 2007, Carla Miney and her husband began running a small weight loss company named Ideal Shape. She implemented innovative credibility marketing strategies to help transform the business to $60 million in annual revenue. And she's going to share her stories and secrets with us right after this intro. Tectonic shifts are constantly transforming the earth and business, causing destruction and huge growth opportunities. I'm Nathan William, the host of Monetization Nation, where we learn how to leverage business tectonic shifts to transform monetization. So how are you and your husband doing? Good. Yeah, we're, you know, it's an interesting time, that's for sure. So we're actually in the middle of starting another company, which yeah. we, were gonna, we weren't going to do. But the joke in our family is, what happens if you quarantine two retired entrepreneurs in the same house <laughs> for 60 days? Uh, they start another business. So yeah. we got home from our mission in December and in January. I just decided I want to take a functional nutrition class. It's a, it's a course. It's a year-long course. Um, I've always been interested in nutrition, but I found a course that is more geared to individualized nutrition. Understanding everybody's body is different. So I thought, well, that's what I'm more interested in. So I get into this course. I start going to this course, and my husband at the same time says, I says, this is so fascinating. I feel like there's just so many people I could help with what we've learned through nutrition and our different businesses. And he goes, I feel like I have to write a book about it. And I said, <laughs> okay, let's do it. So he's in the process of writing a book, which I'm contributing to. And then we're looking to launch first quarter next year, a company called Eating to Live. And okay. it'll be helping individuals achieve their optimal health. So whatever that is for them based on their, you know, genetic biome, because everybody's is different. And so what works for one person, that's why it's so hard for nutrition programs to work across the board. It's because they really need to be unique and individual for, for the person themselves. So nice. that's what we're doing. So that title is very similar to one of my top 10 favorite books of all time that I've read. And it's by Joel Furman and it's called Eat to Live. Are you familiar yeah. with that one? Yes, we are very familiar. Yep. I love that book. I've read that probably three times, four times. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be similar, but we'll take what we, we go into optimal health for us is really we call it the 10 tips to optimal health. So it's finding your why. So, you know, Simon Sinek's book on his title is start with why, right? And, and so our first tip is find your why. Why do you want to get healthy? Because yes. what we found in with Ideal Shape, what we learned through that whole um, 
uh, time we owned that company is when people had strong whys, we'd get great compliance and they would have great weight loss. And when they didn't have a strong why, they didn't. And so then tip two goes into the nutrition eating plan. So, so if you think his book would fit probably mostly into tip number two. And then we talk about sleep and exercise. And I know he goes into that a little, but we spend a chapter on sleep and a chapter on exercise. We also talk about not removing removing NSAIDs or all the ibuprofen and the anti-inflammatory drugs that are actually killing our uh, guts um, and, and causing all kinds of grief. We talk about upping your water and your nutrients, getting supplements. And then at the last tip, we have a journal and we teach people how to journal for their optimal health so that they figure out what foods are good for them and what foods give them trouble. And then we teach them how to use that journal. We're going to launch everything probably first quarter next year. Congratulations. That's fabulous. David had a, has a foster dad who was um, 350 pounds and we were talking with him and he was saying how, you know, he doesn't have a problem losing weight. He figured over his lifetime, he had lost uh, over a thousand pounds, wow. but he had gained it all back because he could never sustain it. So he never had a strong enough why. So we spent a lot of time trying to figure out what we could help him change in his brain to see himself differently. And so when we got the idea to start Ideal Shape, we were actually still running occurrence and it, did, it didn't work out because we were doing it mainly for him. We, he was having lots of success. He lost 150 pounds or whatever it was and kept it off until he, until he passed away. And he ended up dying pretty much of obesity because he had a heart attack and he had been so big for so long. He just put that extra strain on his heart, you know, and it, it just gave out. But the last few years of his life were at least better. Well, after 2007, we decided we had shelved it and, and we had a son that was interested in, he had, he had a personal training company and he was doing personal training with it. And so in 2009, he said, would you guys be willing to come back and help me put this online? He says, I see, he says, I'm tired of doing personal training at 5 a.m. to 9 a.m. and then 5 p.m. to 9 p.m., you know, and he says, I'm, I'm going to have a family and I, I don't, I don't like this, this lifestyle. He says, what I would like to do is your original plan of doing meal replacement shakes and bars and supplements online. So we went back and helped develop the meal replacement shake and then the supplements and the uh, meal replacement bars and get them all online and help. And, and so the first thing we did was when we set up these Facebook pages is we tied them to a little contest we'd started. So we started this contest of, uh, it was called the Ship Shape Challenge. So we had people submit their before and afters while they used Ideal Shape and tell their story. And then we'd pick a one winner per month. And then at the end of the year, we brought all 12 people 
into Salt Lake City and we took their stories and did the promotional, you know, uh, story around each of them. So we all of a sudden had a lot of credibility, right? You've got all of these people saying your product is amazing, you know, and, and then they tell their story and some of them lost over a hundred pounds. Some of them had lost 30 or 40 pounds, but they had an amazing story. So we filmed it and then, you know, then we said, let's see if we can do a Facebook contest with it, right? So we put it on Facebook and told the people part of how you, you could win. So the Ship Shape Challenge was a cruise. So they could win a cruise if they were picked the person for the year. Well, then we put it on Facebook and we said, vote. And so they'd share and people would share their story and try to get people to vote for them. And through that marketing, we got immense credibility because you had all of these people telling their story. Prior to that point, we could not get people to post a before and after picture on Facebook. They wouldn't do it. I mean, we did all kinds of things. We'll give you free product, all this stuff. They wouldn't do it. And we were like, oh, wow. So we got this idea and we did that. And then through the course of that, as we'd bring them out, they'd say, we want a private group. Well, Facebook was just starting back then, the private groups. So we got this idea to start private groups. And we started with these people and they got their friends that wanted to use the product. And the conversations were real and people posted pictures before and after pictures that they could privately do it within that group and their other friends couldn't see it. And that was a gold mine that changed everything. Because then what we started doing is once somebody brought our bought our product, we'd invite them to our Facebook page and then we'd engage them there. And then we'd invite them to a private group. So now they're in a private group. They're with all these other people that love our product, talk about how great our product is. They buy more products, right? Or they buy some product. Maybe they didn't even buy product. They just wanted a free download. And so all of a sudden they've had a free download of a, of a workout. Like we did a, a 10 day workout was free. So they download a 10 day workout. We never talked about our shakes, but we invite them to these things and all of a sudden they're seeing how people are having these results beyond the 10 day workouts with our products. So then they want to order. So all of that tied together in, in influencer and cre- credibility. So we, we started with credibility marketing and then we developed influencers. So we would hire people that we would like, we would do their videos. So we'd say, we want to hire you to do exercise videos. And part of your job, once you do these exercise videos, is you're going to manage a private group that's your private group. So people would sign up for their 10 day or 30 day or 60 day workout with Lindsay Matthews. And then Lindsay Matthews would be on the head of this private group. And then everybody would join and then it would, the influencer market took off. So between all of those things, we watched our company just start having, you know, amazing growth year after year. 
So Can, is there I'm any of that growth you feel comfortable sharing? Well, I'm trying to think we had, uh, like we doubled from 20 million to 40 million. And then we doubled, uh, we added another 20 million the next year. So it was revenue. Yeah. So revenue to 40 million of revenue and then you doubled again to, to 60. We added another 20 million the next gotcha. year. So yeah, we were congratulations. Yeah. So, and it really came from that credibility marketing. And so, so here's the other thing I've always, in all of my business careers, I have always talked about the importance of customer service and people think it's cliche now, you know, like, you know, we've got, all these kinds of things we're doing, but you really don't get credibility marketing if you don't do a great job with customer service. And I'm going to give you a couple of really good examples. Yes, please. So this company that bought us, the Hut Group, they started getting rid of the customer service people and all the social media people that we had managing all of these um individual private groups. They, they started not spending a lot of time on them and, 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 uh, and we watch, I watch, because I'm still a member of a lot of those groups. I watched the negative. Oh my gosh, your customer service is terrible. I haven't gotten product for two weeks. So we, would get them their product in two days, maybe three. We really were trying to get them their product within two days. And supposedly this group that bought us had better technology and they were gonna do it even better because we had some East Coast issues and we were trying to resolve that. And it got to two weeks or longer before they'd get product. Well, when people want a weight loss product, they want it today. And when it started taking that kind of time, people started canceling orders. And the negative, the negative uh, customer service comments, I just want, and their, their sales started tanking, their sales started going down. I don't know what they're doing now. I mean, with COVID, you know, who knows, but I just know that before a lot of people left there, after we were long gone, a lot of people left there said the sales would, had really gone down. So there's a perfect example that they did not focus on customer service after we had built it up to amazing customer service and timely, like somebody posted something, we were on it. Like we would say, we'll get right with you. Call us at this number. We'll take care of it right away. That was a big deal to us. We never let comments get ugly. We never let them get, go off and do, you know, because you're always going to have people that aren't happy, but man, we did everything we could to make people happy, got them refunds right away if they didn't like their product and we had them ship it back and say, we will refund you, whatever it was. And by doing that, we got so much credibility with the rest of the group that a lot of times, if somebody made a negative comment, the rest of the group would come in and say, well, they are amazing at customer service and you got to give them a chance and you're being unreasonable. And they, the customers would blast them for getting upset with us for whatever reason. It was hilarious sometimes. And we'd have to, you know, kind of calm them down and say, we'll take care of it, you know, but that's what happens 
when you have lots of credibility. Like that's what happens is your customer will come to your defense, but it starts with amazing customer service. And it, I just can't stress it enough. I have been in business over 40 years in a myriad of different businesses. And I, it, it truly is the number one thing that gets people loyal to you. I love it. What a great story. Thank you for sharing. One of the secrets, one of the tectonic shifts that we talk about in the book is this recurring revenue stream. And obviously with a series of supplements and, and shakes and things, that's a recurring revenue stream because you've got to eat every day and, and buy your shakes and your bars and things every day. Talk right. about what a difference it made to focus on a recurring revenue stream. So early on, we realized we needed to do some type of uh, auto ship program or something. And so what we did is once they had purchased their first package, then we came back with them with an email, uh, you know, a little bit later down the road when we saw that they would be running out, you know, you looked at the timing of how many packages do they buy? And then we would market to them a really good deal. Like we will send you a monthly or every other month, depending on the package shakes. And we took off, you know, 20%. And because we all know marketing is your, one of your biggest expenses. Yeah. And so we knew the power of keeping a customer versus going out and getting a new customer it would have been a lot more cost costly. And so they, if they sign up, they get free shipping and they get this discount and then, then you know, they just don't have to think about it. And if they need to say they get too much after a while, they need to hold off. We were, we were super flexible about all of that. We took really good care of our customers in that auto ship program and that, I mean, I think our average customer stayed in there eight to nine months. And so that's huge because we had customers when we sold that had been our customers in that program for five or six years, they stayed in. Wow. That's really impressive. Yeah. So we looked at the value. I mean, we just talked about what does it cost us to go out and get a new customer? And then how can, what, what can we do to keep them? And it just, it made a lot of sense to do that. And we still made more money on the auto ship customers than, than going and, and trying to get a new one. Okay, so you have these auto ship uh, revenue streams to customers getting the nutritional products. Uh, in your entrepreneurial career, what other types of monetization strategies have you had that have worked well for you? So then we had add-ons. So you've got, um, we, we, we have a client typically came to us because they'd read a review somewhere on our shakes and how good they taste and how great they work. Well, we had lots of different flavors. We had lots of different other different supplements for different things. And we would have um, lot, uh, meal replacement bars because the customers wanted something handy to take that they could take with them. Yep. So we started realizing as we'd release a new flavor, how much our additional revenue would go up because then we'd say new flavor, chocolate mint chip, 
cookie, whatever, uh, either shake or bar. And all of a sudden, boom, we get this uptick. So we realized very quickly that even though it's expensive to have additional SKUs, we would pick up a lot of people and additional revenue on upsells and additional sales when we would release more products. So we had a goal. We had a goal to release four or five products a month. And it was, you know, not easy to keep up on and develop. And we had uh, uh, what we call boost. So we, you just put it in your water and it was a little, it was flavoring with our meal replacement with our, uh, ingredient that helped them uh, curb their appetite and then we started pushing that so that was another thing that you could that you could get so having a diversified revenue stream nice. yes so i see on your resume here you were a vp of operations for morris airlines so that was david neilman you know i haven't talked to him in years i heard he was starting another airline in our area and i was going to reach out to him and then COVID hit and i went well so much for that idea. <laughs> I helped him build an airline too. Um, oh, really? I helped him build Azul. When he did Azul, I, I went down to Brazil and I helped him build that probably. I think I knew that. Yeah, I think, I think I knew that, yeah. And he's agreed to be a guest um, just like you for the, the show and, and uh, the book. So I haven't interviewed uh -huh. him yet, but he's agreed to do it. Yeah, um, I love. He's a good I, man. I yeah, really, really I loved like working. I loved working for him. He was my boss at uh, Morris Air. We did that for a couple of years, and so I was there during the time we became an airline. We went from a charter company to an airline, and I was there during the time we sold. When when we sold, that's what motivated me to start Occurrence because when we sold. Southwest Airlines said union contracts wouldn't allow them to have agents working remote or part-time. And half the agents were part-time. And I just couldn't let the concept die. So I started, my first company was actually called Occurrence Teleservice. So I did an inbound telemarketing company back before there was even internet. Okay, so we had people working from home, taking phone calls for clients and selling their products at home. And we did the first real big call center that was remote back in 1994. And so nowadays people think, well, that's not that big a deal. But in 1994, it just wasn't being done. And we figured out how to do it when way before there was internet and Wi-Fi and all kinds of technology now that support it really well. It, it's, that's a very relevant story because, because you trusted your employees you got more productivity out of them because you, you created a trusting environment instead of a controlling environment. You actually had a much greater success. Right. I, back then it was really unheard of to think of people working from home, but I said, when I would, when I would uh, mentor people or consult with people, I said, the bottom line is, is if you can measure any part of their job, then they can work from home. Because the reality is that most people, now there's some that don't do better at home. And we had those employees. That's why we still had a small call center. But the most of them were like so grateful for that autonomy. And now they're being forced to go home and work from home. And they're struggling because they've never had any 
they, they never had any support for them to go home, right? These supervisors don't have any clue how to manage them remote. And it's just this wild, wild west now. And it's like, you can set this up and it is so easy to do with people that, that they, they understand, hey, I know you, you are a great employee, you wanna work from home. And, and what I did in my company is I said, I trained them on site, but I sent them home and said, as long as your stats go stay the same or go up, you get to stay home. The only reason you have to come back on site is if your stats go down. So <laughs> it, it, it manages itself. I don't have to manage that. And, and a supervisor doesn't have to be a bad guy. They just simply say, oh, your stats, stats are down. Uh, come in and work for the next two weeks and we'll see if we can help train you to get them back up. So and, you have accountability built in there too. I love it. Absolutely. And it's a, it's a self like disciplinary project too, right? It's like, you don't have to spend a lot of time disciplining people because they already know, like they, they call, when you call them up, they say, I know my stats are down. I have to come in. Don't I? It's like, yeah. And like <laughs> you need some more coaching or training, but usually it never even got to that because the people at home just kept their stats up. I love it. And, and in the office, so many times we don't pay attention to coworkers talking to coworkers and all the distractions that they have where right. you remove those distractions and they can actually be a lot more effective. From them. Okay. I love it. Yeah. Thank you so much for your sharing your time and your wisdom. Happy to. Thank you, Carla, for sharing your fascinating stories and experiences with us today. If you enjoyed this interview and want to learn more about Carla, please visit the blog for this episode at monetizationnation.com for a link to Carla's LinkedIn page. Here are some of my key takeaways from today's episode. Number one, find the right motivation for your customers to share their experiences with other customers like them, kind of like Ideal Shapes cruise for the winner of the Ship Shape Challenge. Number two, use influencers to bring in a lot more customers and help build credibility. Number three, be willing to pay those influencers. This will help turn one-time influencer deals into long-term influencer deals. Number four, customer service is one of the most important ways to build credibility. Take care of customers with every interaction to keep them coming back. Number five, help customers find their why. Why are they using this product? What do they hope to get from it, etc. Number six, create a trusting environment rather than a controlling environment for employees. Number seven, systematize accountability so employees can enjoy more freedom. Number eight, create recurring revenue streams. It is easier to keep current customers than to advertise to find new ones. Number nine, diversify our revenue streams and give customers add-ons and new products to improve customer lifetime value. Did you enjoy today's episode? then please subscribe to the Monetization Nation newsletter for free to receive more great content about becoming a better digital monetizer. If we desire monetization we have never before achieved, we must leverage strategies we have never before implemented. I challenge each of us to pick one thing that has resonated with us from today's episode and schedule a time this week to implement it to help achieve our monetization goals. What are the best credibility marketing strategies you've seen? Please join our private Monetization Nation Facebook group and share your insights with other digital monetizers. Do you want to become a better digital monetizer? To receive great monetization stories and secrets, 
please go to monetizationnation.com and join free. And if you liked today's episode, please subscribe to the show and share it.